Good morning. Today's reading is Ephesians 5, verses 22, 22 through 33. Um, wives and husbands. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each, of you, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Thank you, Dee. Um, and uh, again, if you came in in the last couple of minutes, uh, my name is Dave, lead pastor here at Redemption. Um, I no longer have a speech impediment, so if, no, um, if you missed that, just heads up. I do stutter. Just want to let you know about that. Um, and um, we have a lot to cover in a fairly short period of time here because we've obviously had a very full morning as we celebrate four years. I'll just again just want to say happy anniversary. Um, this is like four years. We don't do every year go big and you know bring out the bounce house or whatever you know little pony rides and things um we you know because it's you know sometimes when you get at a point you know like a newlywed couple or even just a newly dating couple celebrates every little detail and at some point you're like all right like let's kind of space this out in like every five years or ten years or something you know but at least say happy anniversary you know high five whatever um so that's where we're at but we again just want to want to stick on the on the theme which is so true of um our vision being a response to the good news of Jesus and his kindness demonstrated toward us, his incredible grace. And um, that is absolutely worth celebrating and acknowledging as we're together this morning. Uh, amen? So, so let's, um, let's uh, turn to Ephesians 5, verses 20, um, 21 through 33. We've, this is our kind of third week in this same scripture because we think it was worth it and helpful to kind of really pause and dig into this text. And also, I mean, this is kind of the clear church growth text, right? If you're all about just numbers and building a quick group of people, you, you talk about uh, wives submitting to husbands and husbands, uh, you know, being the head of their home. That's just an easy, easy subject. Um, no, clearly not. And that's why we're 
slowing down in our time together in it. So I'm glad, though, to kind of wrap it up in our, our time together this morning. So go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, and somebody will get you a copy of God's Word. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Don't be shy. If you, if you want one, I'd encourage you, especially in any text that's challenging, to be sure to follow along and see it's indeed God's Word that we're um, going from. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Efesios capítulo 5, versículo 21. Um, again, we're there. want to make sure this is our gift to you, okay? If you don't have a copy of God's Word, please keep this. Um, all right, we want to make sure everyone has, again, a, a copy of God's word that we can see that, uh, that, that, that all of our hope in, 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 in source of truth and um, source of dire direction in life comes directly from, from his word. All right, so with that, that's absolutely the same is true for our expectation this morning as we come before him and his scriptures. So let's go ahead and uh, pray and ask him to oversee our time together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all the good things we've gotten to celebrate this morning. Lord, thank you for children. Um, and Lord, thank you for, 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 for families. Thank you for commitment. That first and foremost, even as we talked about the important commitment of membership, that that can only be done. We can only um, be v v v vulnerable and trusting of one another because you are trustworthy, Lord, because of your um, perfect promise to us. And so, Lord, even now this morning as we wade into some uh, difficult, maybe uncomfortable places, we, um, we asked that, that, that our eyes would be pinned on you, Lord, that we would find comfort in, in you and in your character and in your work and your demonstration of love toward us, and that everything would be, uh, Lord, flowing out of that. And so we ask for your Holy Spirit to oversee this time. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart and every heart in here would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So um, we, we read there in the scripture reading in verse 22, but I want to back up for um, a moment to verse 21, which really is the foundation laying um, assumption that can't be assumed, okay, is this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. All right, as we've walked through this last couple weeks, we've, as we've talked about husbands and wives, right, in your, in your scripture there, as you see, um, verse 22 has a heading, wives and husbands. And many people, if you ask them, what's Ephesians all about or what comes to mind when you hear Ephesians, it's often this section of scripture. Or for some people, they jump ahead to chapter six, where we'll be next week, right? Woo, celebration, new, kind of the, the, the last chapter. But they would go to spiritual warfare. But the big idea in Ephesians specifically, but in all of scripture in general, is the person and work of Jesus. Out of 
existence for Christ cannot be assumed upon, cannot just be, oh yeah, yeah, you kind of got that and now you move on and now you talk about husbands and wives and all this because our, our, what we, the, the massive chance we take when we do that is we get into the weeds, so to speak, of verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord or husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and, and, and we talk about all these things and we get into the husband as head of the, and we get all into that and, and, we, and we forget the absolute necessity of out of reverence for Christ. This is in light of, aware of, because of, okay, if you have like a philosophy background, um, kind of necessarily contingent upon, all right, necessarily dependent upon. If you take away what Jesus has done and who Jesus is, that's the, the assumed foundation. If you take that away, it all falls apart. It all breaks down. Okay, so when we talked last week about wives submit to your own husbands as, as the church is called to submit to Jesus, it, it's not to diminish that that's hard, right? That that's a challenge, that there's an element of sacrifice, of, of even fear, and hopefully we, we got into that. Um, when we talked about it last week, the hope was to, to, yes, acknowledge the pain and the difficulty, but more than that, to, to, to flow out of, if it's connected to the person and work of Jesus, then there's power, there's beauty, there's, there's empowerment written into that. And we, we really felt led to emphasize on that. Okay, and so again, this week as we get into wives lay, or husbands lay your life down for your wife or for your family as Christ has for the church, it's, um, we, we wanna go about that again directly flowing out of reverence for Jesus, out of who Jesus is and what he's done. Okay, because scripture as we've talked about is this upside down reality. That the word submit to anyone or anything, submit to one another in verse 21 or anything is like counterintuitive. It's antithetical to our approach to life, right? It's contrary. It's, it's not the way we do things. It's not the, uh, it's not the currency that we tend to operate in. And, 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 and a danger we get into, in, even in church you know, circles, is we take these things for granted. You know, we speak Christianese, we sing songs like Be Thou My Vision and all these things, but in reality, we just say it and it can be so disconnected from our real everyday life. We're like, no, my vision is the American dream. My vision is what I wanna get out of life and my plan and all these things. And so we need to pause every once in a while and recognize um, that we're, we're speaking a different language, all right, than we're used to. Okay, let me read a quote to help us kind of set off here and understand how we've got to come at this kind of text. It's from a book, Neither Complementarian Nor Egalitarian, and um, this is what, what the author says. We are obsessed with questions about power and rights, which are not kingdom-shaped questions. Thus, we get into arguments about who has privilege rather than who has responsibility to serve. All right, again, in the, the kingdom-shaped question is how do I still recognize what I have, what I've been given, recognize my position, my privilege, my influence, who I am, not try to deny that, not try to um, escape that, but how do I use this to serve, to love God and to love others, to lay down my rights, to lay it all down? 
Okay, and hopefully again, last week, as we've prayed over as, as elders, as a staff team, Lord, let us get these three weeks right. Let us, um, let us do the best we can with this short time. We can't cover everything. How do we go at this? And so this week, as we talk to husbands specifically, as we talk to what it looks like to lay your life down to, um, for your wife, for your family, as Christ has for the church, we could go at it the way I've kind of even actually done before in full disclosure of kind of yell and browbeat and kind of see, you know, come on, man, man up, right? You're called to be a man, so this is what it looks like. You're not a real man. This is what real man looks like. Be more like Jesus, you know, and just kind of, kind of hammer it. Um, I don't think that's where we need to go, all right? Where we need to be this morning is we need to see Jesus more clearly, and then and only then can we understand what it looks like to, 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 to fulfill our role as men. Okay, so where we're going this morning, again, what I wanna just kinda give a little framework, a little foundation, we have a lot to cover is this, okay? First, kinda step all the way back and look back at how did we get where we are? Okay, because again, if we just start with do this, look at Jesus, be more like Jesus, do, WWJD, you know, then we just, we get into kind of these cycles of frustration and all these things. So we need to, we need to kind of pause and look back at how do we get where we are? All right, then we're going to look at where are we? Okay, so how do we get here? Now, where are we? We're going to again just take an honest look of where we are specifically in understanding this epidemic of brokenness in men, of men engaging with families, with self, with God, with society as a whole. It's just broken. So how do we get here? Where are we? Let's look at it. And then from there, how is Jesus the good news to that, to our reality? How is he the only hope we have? And then we'll get to what is headship and what is it not? And then we'll kind of go from there, all right? So that's where we're headed. The good news is I drank a lot of cold brew this morning, so I can um, probably just talk fast. Um, so that's our answer, but no. Um, so as we get into this, right, look at verse 25 with me of chapter five. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, yeah, we look at that, right? That's our charge. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, as we've said every week, I can't spend too much time here, but if you're a husband right now, this is speaking directly to you. If you will be a husband one day, this is important for you to hear and to know and to begin to build a framework under this understanding of what it means to be a husband according to God's design and his charge. But also in general, as we zoom out, right, Jesus was not a husband to one woman, right? We've kind of talked about that. So that doesn't mean now you can zone out and check, you know, scores or the Browns somehow defeating all odds and beating the Pittsburgh Steelers or whatever your thing is and your, your interest, you know, NFL started today for those of you that um, don't know. For those of you whose pants are too, are too skinny to know about um, those things. But, uh, um, sorry, don't worry. We got more that'll relate. To, sorry, okay, we don't have time for this. We gotta keep going. But, um, but, uh, but, but, okay, this is good news because we're all called, again, there's a communal reality of God's people relating with one another, so this is still important for us to understand, okay? But again, we read that, and our tendency is, 
All right, get ready, here goes. I'm not doing enough, I'm already failing, but I've been pretending and I'll keep on pretending and now I'll hear this and I'll walk away ashamed and um, just try harder. All right, but first again, we need to start and just say, how did we get where we are? Statistically, most likely, um, at least probably half of this room has grown up in a home without a dad present. Um, I was blessed enough to have my dad in my life, but I don't have a single memory of my mom and dad married. Okay, so I still have a great relationship with my dad. We're we're close, but for my own story, I don't have a single memory of like dad coming home from work and mom's there or mom coming home from work and dad's there and they greet each other, we eat together, all these things. That's just, that's a, a, a foreign concept to what I grew up with. Well, how do we get there? And I know many of us have different individual stories and ways that it relates with this, but I would almost guess everyone in this room has been affected by um, brokenness, by divorce, by men not functioning in the way of loving family or wife as much as they love themselves. How'd that happen? Well, I'm not gonna read all the way through Genesis 3, but let me just paint the picture a little bit for us, okay, to, to understand where we are, okay? That in the beginning, God created us, and God said, um, let us make man in our image, and he created man in his own image out of intimately, he, he formed man from the dust, and, 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 and like with his hands, right? He got dirt under his fingernails, making, making man, and then he breathed life. And then he said, it is not good that man is alone, and he um, put man to sleep, and out of his side, from his rib, he, he created a, a, a helper, a helpmate, Eve. One, two, uh, and we hopefully talked about this a lot last week, about what that looks like in this beautiful dance, this, this relationship of husband and wife that would reflect God and his triune reality as, 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 as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and this beautiful relationship would be reflected through husband and wife. And when Adam saw this, he didn't be like, oh man, now I got some competition. Now I've got, no, he was overjoyed. He sang a song. He said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Her name shall be Eve, for um, out of man she, she was formed in this beautiful picture. But then sin enters in, okay? And, and, and the serpent deceives um, Eve and, and Adam, I, we, I think. Okay? We could assume, but I'm pretty sure, and there's, there's this book written called The Silence of Adam. It's almost, I think it makes a ton of sense that Adam was ab- abdicating his role. He was there but was silent because um, Eve just took fruit and gave it to him. And I don't think she hustled him or tricked him or anything like that. Um, but anyway, so that's just assumed. So Adam's there, he's abdicating, and, 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 Eve, and um, Satan deceives Adam and Eve by questioning God's character and his goodness, his plan. Okay, hear me. Okay, look at me. That, that, that who you are, your identity, your, your purpose, that your, your affirmation, your, your, your comfort, your power, your approval from others, everything is, is all set, is all good. There's no question mark. There's no brokenness that it comes from God and that it's perfect and it's good and there's no shame. There's only joy. There's only, there's only fulfillment coming by laying down your, your rights, by your identity being so secure in who you are in God that you can give of yourself for the other and this, this beautiful dance is taking place. But, but, but the enemy, the accuser, 
He deceives and he questions that. And so Eve um, takes of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, and she, and, she, and she then gives it to her husband and then their eyes are both open and they're ashamed and, they're, and they know they're naked and now this, this just brokenness comes in. And we see that specifically when we look at man. Okay, and just think of how this shows up in our own society today, right? God shows up on the scene and right away, it's not the way it's supposed to be. God and his relationship with his people normally would, would like joy would come, right? Excitement, oh, I hear God walking in the garden. Let me run to him. Let me have intimacy with him, with intimacy with him, my creator. This is, this is good, but no, there was, there was shame. There was hiding. Brokenness in relationship with God and then brokenness in relationship with self. Oh, I now have to cover up, not just externally, but, but intimately, like on a heart level, I can't be vulnerable. It's now dangerous to be seen by God or by my wife, by my, my, my community. And God says, Adam, where are you? Again, hopefully you see the ways these dots connect to our time today. So many children are growing up in homes. Where, Dad, where are you? Whether dad's physically there or not, often case emotionally absent, responsibly absent. I don't know, ask your mom. I don't know, I, I'm doing my own thing, I'm doing this and just this and then what happens too? Um, blaming, blame shifting. God says, what, where are you, Adam? What, oh, did you eat of the, oh, and then right, Adam says, oh, I was hiding from you. Well, what, what why? Did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to? And of course, God knows, right? It's not like God's like, oh, man, I hope not. You know, biting. God knows this, but he's, he's bringing out, he's holding accountable. He loves enough to enter in and to call out what is not the way it's supposed to be. And Adam says, well, God, the woman, right? He blames shifts. The woman who you gave me, he blames his wife, he blames God. Again, such a theme that is so prevalent in our day today. Well, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what it's like. You don't know what, what my work has been like. You don't, I mean, and we, we hear all these things and it's just, and it's, it's, it's broken and it's, and it's, and it's now it's, it's all about self. And what happens is we look at ourselves and we think, well, I got to protect myself. I got to protect my rights, my privileges, my identity, my purpose. Um, all these things that are just, I, I can't trust God. I can't trust her. I can't trust them. I can't, I don't know, you know, I got to go about this my way. I got to protect myself. And that's the reality of where we are. And the way it tends to show up in our world is a seemingly ex two extremes of abuse and abandonment of either. And again, we see that in the, in the curses that God gives to Adam and to Eve in Genesis 3, he tells Eve, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you harshly. There will be abuse. There will be, there will be a misuse of authority, of power, of, of influence, of role. And again, I don't think I have to unpack that too much for us. We're all too aware of that's where we're living today. And sometimes simultaneously, abuse and also abandonment. Well, I'm out of here. It's getting too tough. It's getting too hard. It's, this is too much of a weight for me to, to, to carry. I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can, but I finally just tapped out. I can't do it. And then again, we, we read scriptures like where we are this morning 
and we think, oh, well, um, okay, I, I guess I, I fa- fail. Or maybe some of us aren't there yet, and we think, oh, yeah, you're right. I should just try harder. I should keep it going. So read with me like in verse 28, for example, where he writes, in the same way, okay, same as Christ. Again, if we're going through this lens, look at Jesus, be more like Jesus. Then we read, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does for the church. And we read that. Husbands, love your wives as their own bodies. And it's so foreign to us. Well, I don't even know what it looks like. So I'm, well, I know what it looks like to love myself, but it's usually in, um, you know, not by dying to self. Like, that's crazy. Again, like, let's not just pretend we're in church here and we got, oh, yeah, of course, you know, I love your wife like you love your own body. Well, how do we tend to love our own bodies? Often overindulgence, right, consumption, just feeding more, 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 I want this, this will make me happy, and then, and then from there, eventually that doesn't satisfy, so now we just try harder, do better, grit our teeth, dig down, go over here, oh, this is gonna make me better, this is gonna make me more of a man, this is gonna do it, and then eventually we get tired, right, so we give up on that, man, that, you know, that diet didn't work, or that exercise plan didn't really work, so now I'm gonna go back over here and just kinda eat everything and go back there and consume whatever, right, content or, or anything, and just, we're in this whole place and it's because again if we just try to love our wives like we love ourselves we don't love ourselves very well we don't love ourselves very well that's why it doesn't work for us to just try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps okay we need to recognize the way we tend to love ourselves is in is 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 reacting to the place where we are right hear me well where are we we're in brokenness We're in these consistent cycles of shame and of hopelessness, of trying to meet our needs that God created, that God intended to be only met by him. And yet we've taken it and said, God, I got it, right? That's sin. In a a small description, in the most easy, it's not God. It's I got this. It's I'll, I'll, I'll have it my way. Right, that's, that's, that's sin, you know, I'll do this on my own. And, and it's, and we're stuck in these cycles. Okay, we have needs. Okay, I'm just gonna talk for a moment and I'll say it on both ends. I'll kind of bookend this in no way. Hear me, okay, look at me, this is so important. This, what I'm about to say, as we seek to understand the brokenness and where we are, in no way justifies the sin that most of us have, uh, have, have, have been affected by. Affairs, abuse, abandonment, abdicating responsibility, But until we understand why, where it's coming from on a foundational level, it's it's not as helpful. In fact, sometimes even hurtful to just say, well, be more like Jesus. If we don't understand how Jesus is the good news and the only good news to our brokenness. So how do we tend to meet our needs? Men tend to, um, in a sense, look for love in all the wrong places. And it's like this, okay, hear me, men. This isn't just stop looking at porn. Don't have an affair. Don't go to the nudie bar. Don't go out and work on your, on your car in the garage. Just be more present. Be a, be a 
better man, do it better, try harder, be more like Jesus. And we're just like, man, okay, it's, it's to peel back and to understand, hear me, okay, look at me. We're looking for the right things. We're, we're seeking to meet the needs that God has given us, but in the wrong places and in the wrong ways, in ways that will never, ever satisfy. Hey, I know this is a painful subject to talk about. It's hit my family intimately on many levels, in many people's cases, in a lot of ways. But the idea of an affair, for example, with another woman or with a computer screen and multiple other men or women or, or however it is. Okay, seeking sexual gratification outside of God's design through marriage union well, right, we think it's just all about sex, right? Oh, yeah, well, guys, are, guys will be boys, whatever. Boys will be boys, men will be men. Guys do what they're gonna do, you know. We've all got these urges. We've got testosterone. We need to do it. We need to meet our needs, you know, whatever. And we just explain it away or just embrace it. Well, no, it's not just that, okay? Men and women, both created in God's image and, 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 and created for one another have sex drives, it, that's just a, that's a, that's a lie that, well, men have more and men need it more and all this stuff. That's a lie. So why is it we're looking to meet our needs in the most accessible way we can? Um, often in affairs, what's happening, even when we look at scripture, it's not just about the sex. In fact, it's not primarily about the sex. It's usually these deep wounds that we can trace all the way back to Genesis chapter three of needing affirmation, of needing power, of needing comfort. And, and, and again, sinfully, but, but trying to take the path of least resistance and saying, well, here it is, I, this, this meets my needs, this is safer, this is less vulnerable, this at least temporarily is more of a guarantee. And there's things like, well, I feel wanted. I feel, I feel v- v- valued. I feel um, like I have more respect. And we look at places like Proverbs chapter five and chapter seven where um, the author talks about the forbidden woman in the warning that says, you know, um, flee from temptation. And it's not, hey, I know she's really physically attractive, but just, you know, look your eyes away, right? Like the bouncing thing, just don't do it. Like, you know, she's, it's, she's not worth it or this. And, and then even, I can't get into all this, but man, we just, we tend to operate in this. We settle. We try to meet these deep needs with these, with these little Band-Aid anecdotes. Like, oh, it's all about if women would just dress better and not be so tempting, then men wouldn't have these issues and all these things. And that's, it's not a women problem, amen? And, and, and so is we can't, and yet we operate there. But what we need to do is we need to see, well, what is it going on? And again, when we read in those places, it's the language it's used is, hey, I know that that, that, that affair promises comfort. It promises to meet your deep needs, not just your like your quickie, your quick sex, you know, es- escapade. But the language used there is, hey, I know, I know that the forbidden woman or the forbidden opportunity promises um, pursuit of you, respect. Because the language it's used is, I've prepared a bed for you. I've been waiting for you. I've been longing for you. Uh, my husband, in one case, my husband will be gone and took a lot of money and 
extra changes of clothes so he won't be back. And there, there's this promise of, of I will never leave you or forsake you. There's, there's this promise with the lie of pornography, of well, the, uh, man, my wife might, might say no to me, my wife might look at me in my vulnerability and say, um, nah, no thanks, I'm not interested. But the screen will never do that. It'll always be there to, to, to affirm me. It'll always be there to, to meet my deepest longing in my most vulnerable places. In the same place in Genesis 3, when the serpent, when Satan, the accuser, the liar, said, hey, this'll, this'll meet all your needs. You can't trust God's character. You can't trust his design. You can't trust his provision. But this'll, this'll surely satisfy. And hopefully we look back at where we started. How's that been working out for us? Never. Never has someone at the end of their life said, I'm so glad I had so many affairs. I'm so glad I turned away from, I'm so glad I gave in to, to a temporal satisfaction. I'm so glad I believed that would meet my deepest need. And it, you know, never. I don't know of a story that's like, oh yeah, I'm so, that's, there it is. And just because I don't know about it, it's, it's just not true. It never satisfies. So that's where we are. That's the state we're in. We are hopeless. Okay, I, I, I feel like I need, we need to sit in a moment. Because if we're just, look at Jesus, try to be more like Jesus, and we don't understand the good news because we don't understand the desperate state we're actually in, then we just hear another sermon and go on and try to, try to have moralistic application and, and try to give spiritual couple verse band-aids to our problems. But instead we sit under the weight and the reality of where we are, of not just boys will be boys, boy, you know, men are trying to, you know, trying to have their, you know, have their animalistic desires met so they do these things and, uh, you know, well, if my wife would have sex with me more often, then I wouldn't have to do this. No, we understand that what's where we're at right now is we're looking to meet our deepest needs in the most absolutely destructive ways. And so then now we step back and we read in uh, Ephesians, this is gonna be like the bigger bulk of what we read. Now we understand the good news of Jesus. Okay, now we can uh, approach this text and understand, hear me now, this, this last three weeks has been really important because marriage is important. But marriage is only important because it's a signpost of the gospel. The gospel means good news. This, is, this whole conversation is only important because the good news for your deepest brokenness and needs is important. Okay, so with that in mind, we now read about marriage as a picture of the good news of Jesus. So now pick up with me in verse 25, and we'll read verses 25 and 27. Husbands, love your wives. Well, how? Try harder, do better. No. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, and then down, in, uh, down in, in, uh, in verse 32, we pick up, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. 
However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Love, husbands, okay, men in this room, look at me right now. Um, let each one of you love your wife as you love yourself. Well, how do you love yourself? By running to Jesus by recognizing that you can't, you never will love yourself the way uh, you, you ultimately need, but Jesus has loved you. Jesus has met your deepest longing, your deepest desire. Jesus is the only um, surgical healing for the deepest wounds that you have. So, so it, it, it looks like this. Um, not try harder, do better. Okay, hopefully we see that, that we read this section and the main point is not, okay, what does it say for wives? What does it say for husbands? I'll take my cues, I'll take a couple bullet points and just try to apply those things. It's no, understand your role, but zoom back and understand how Jesus, only Jesus has done what you and I could never do. That, that your only hope for, 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 for being a godly man, for being a godly husband, a godly father, a godly grandparent, is to, is, to, is, to, is to be drinking from the well that will never stop providing. And um, I saw Wei Miz this week. Um, some of you, probably others here did. It's playing at Centennial. At least there's something going on at the U of A campus that uh, we could talk, talk about right now. Good entertainment. Um, there, uh, there's this... Um, anyway, I got to go and watch it with my wife. Another couple here watched our kids overnight. It was in a great gift. My wife and I went and saw Way Miz. And some of you know this, and if not, just the, the story, the basic foundation, the basic storyline is, um, is ultimately grace uh, on display versus the law or versus works, versus um, try harder, do better, and be sure you don't mess up. And then on the other hand, you can't try harder or do better. You have already so deeply messed up. Now what, what's, what's, what's your only source of hope? And so we see this answer met, okay? Um, as I kind of land the plane here, I want this to connect. The, 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 the picture of work, the picture of men in this room, of you and me saying, I feel this burden, I just gotta try harder. I gotta get enough things on my computer so I never look at it again. I gotta get enough accountability partners. I need to wake up early enough and memorize enough scripture. I need to just be a better husband. <sighs> All right, here goes, I'll try, right? Roll my sleeves up and go. And those are good things. But if they're not built on the foundation of grace, of, 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 of Jesus loving you better than you could ever love yourself, then it's just gonna lead to frustration. And we see that displayed in this, um, this officer, Javert. And he's kind of the ultimate antagonist in the story. And he's wrestling with how to, how to live the life you're supposed to live. And this is a, a quote, one of many, that he says. says, I have heard these protestations every day for 20 years right, of like, I just keep failing, I just keep struggling. He's heard these, but he says, no more time for explanations. Save your breath and save your tears. Don't, don't talk about your longings. Don't talk about your wounds. Don't talk about your brokenness. Okay, well, what then? What's my good news? What's my hope? What do I do? Honest work, just reward. That's the way to please the Lord. And sorry if you, spoiler alert, but... Um, you know what that leads to? He ultimately takes his own life. And that's a picture of what every one of us will do and has done 
when we try to just grit our teeth and meet our deepest longings and our deepest wounds through our own effort. But in, in, in stark contrast, Jean Valjean, this guy who knows his sin, knows his brokenness, he spent 20 years in prison, he doesn't try to justify it away, he says, look, this is who I am, I'm a sinner, and this is what I've done, and then he experiences grace, and he says this in one of his songs, everything's a song, by the way, so, <laughs> and I'm not gonna sing it for you, but he says this, one word from him, he experiences God's grace through a priest. He experiences undeserved favor. He experiences his deepest wounds, his deepest longings, his deepest brokenness being met, not by his own hard work or just reward, but by grace, by undeserved favor. He says, one word from him and I'd be back beneath the lash upon the rack. Instead, he offers me my freedom I feel my shame inside me like a knife. He told me that I have a soul. How does he know? What spirit comes to move my life? Is there any other way to go? He's in this place. He's experienced such freedom, such grace, such undeserved favor that he says, like Martin Luther famously said, here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. What, what else, can, like the apostle Peter when he stood before Jesus, condemned. He denied Jesus three times and he knows it. And finally Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And he just sits there and says, you know, he, with his head hung low, he has no other hope. And Jesus says, hey, I, 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 I love you, I'm with you, I have a plan for you. Come and follow me. Or like the woman caught in adultery, no excuse. And Jesus ultimately says to her, hey, no one else is left here to condemn you and I don't condemn you, condemn you either. Now, now and only now, go and sin no more. So husbands, what, is, what does it mean to be the head of your home, of your wife, of your family? Not privilege, prestige, power, not you get the remote, not everyone eats what you wanna eat, none of that. It's recognizing I have power and privilege I have been given much, and so I've been given more to lay down. Because Jesus has given me everything, I can now give up everything. It means that you, you play your part in this beautiful dance of reflecting the person and work of Jesus, that, 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 that your wife submits to you as in response to you laying your life down for her, not by your own strength, but in response to Jesus giving you everything. It's you having a cup that every moment of every day you can fully pour out for the good of your wife, for the good of your family. You can lay everything down for those God has entrusted to your care only because he has said, I, I have a well that will never run dry. Only because you're, you keep getting so filled with God's undeserved um, and yet lavish love for you that you can now lay it all down for your wife. Let me read one last quote for us. We may say we love like Jesus loves, but we must live it out in his strength. Whose strength? In his strength, in Jesus's strength, in the good news that Jesus has done. Like Christian wives, Christian husbands look to Christ for everything they need. They understand that the reason they love Jesus is that he loved them first. 
with their hearts set free by the security of Christ's everlasting love, husbands can reach out to their wives to do whatever it is they need to do by the grace of God in order to maintain unity in their marriage. Because this is what Christ does for his church. You can only love out of a reactive love. All right, hear me, okay, look, look at me. In summary of this whole three weeks, Christian, you might say I'm not married, I'm we're divorced, I'm, I'm single, I, this doesn't apply to me, no. Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Only a reactive submission, a reactive love. You lay your down, you lay your life down for others only because you understand Christ has first laid his life down for you. Husbands, give of yourselves for your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands only because Jesus submitted to the will of the Father and laid his life down for his people, for his church. So now in response to his love for you, his powerful love for you, you get to have a beautiful and powerful display of the glorious good news of Jesus as you submit to your husbands. And in God's design, it's a reactive love, first and foremost to the love of Jesus and also to the love of your husband, a sacrificial love. Husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved the church and gave his life up for her. Not lording over, not saying I'm the top so I get it all my way, but constantly seeking to outdo one another in love and good deeds. Laying your life down, laying down your rights as a beautiful and a powerful display of the good news of Jesus. All of our love that we're called to give to one another, to submit to one another, is a reactive love based upon the fact that we don't love God first, but he first loved us and gave his life up for us. Let's pray and consider what it looks like for us to be a demonstration of the good news of Jesus in every relationship we have. Can Heavenly Father thank you, Lord, that you haven't left us to wallow or to figure it out. Lord, I pray that this last few weeks for us has been hopeful, has been restorative. Lord, that as we look dead on at the at the pain many of us have endured. Lord, as only your good news and your spirit has given us the courage to recognize the brokenness we're actually in. Lord, to not try to pretend, to not try to hide, to not put on fig leaves, but instead to look at the brokenness. Lord, look at the infidelity, look at the insecurity, Lord, look at the abuse, look at the abandonment, and see our only hope is you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that every man in this room, as we respond, as we sing, as we take communion, as we pray, Lord, that everyone in here would, Lord, that, that we would not feel shame or guilt or try harder or do better, but we would feel our desperate need, and then, in, and then directly, Lord, we would feel incredible hope that you and only you have met us where we need to be met and have offered us hope and healing in the person and work of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.